Good morning, Bethesda. It's good to be here with you this morning. I know you're out there, and it's our privilege to be here today. I want to pray if you'll allow me to this morning. I feel like God has dropped a word in my heart for this fellowship, maybe for the church at large. Well, Lord, today I thank you for your great mercy. I thank you for your son who came and shed his own blood to atone for our sin. All I know how to do, Lord, is speak to that this morning by saying, Blessed be the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world to atone for my sin, whom you formed with your own hands and in your own image. And today you felt us worthy to be redeemed back to yourself again. So this morning I pray for your grace and your anointing in this place, Lord, to just cover us today. Your God in the midst of your people, whether we're scattered over this city or over this state or over this nation or possibly over this world today, you are God all by yourself today. And we bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may see all the notebook I have, the size of the notebook, and wonder, oh no, here we go. I'll try to contain myself. Strange enough, God had dropped this word in my heart, and it's funny they kept singing about He's the great I am. God has been talking to me about Moses and uh, visiting with me about it, and, and it's quite the different uh, view of that, but he talked to me about, we'll start at the bush, when Moses was faced with the burning bush. But I want to tell you this today, that Moses' life is divided up into three different areas, seems to be anyway, into three different places of 40 years each. You know the story of how he was born and put in a basket and, and raised by Pharaoh's daughter. And then he saw the injustice that was given there with one of the fellow Egyptians and he killed him. And then Pharaoh found out about it and sought to take his life and Moses fled and went to Midian. So the first 40 years of his life he spent as a prince in Pharaoh's court. There he was educated well, I'm sure. And he learned not only to be educated, but he learned protocol. After all, he was the prince in the court. But the second 40 years of his life, he was a shepherd in Midian. And he learned contentment. And he learned meekness. And he learned more there than he ever did in all the years at Pharaoh's court. It was the end of those 40 years that he knew of his mission in life. It, he, he was basically in obscurity until that time. And then at the end of that 80 years, God spoke to him through this bush, and that's where we'll pick up this morning. 
Little did he know he would be Israel's deliverer. Not a word is said to him about it. But his mission was come to him at 80 years of age, so he lived in obscurity basically until that time. Now in Exodus, the second chapter, verse 11. Well, actually, I'll skip that part. Now Moses is shepherding the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. He had married Zipporah. He was in the backside of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. In Exodus 3, verses 1 through 10, Moses encountered the burning bush, and Moses stared in amazement. When the Lord saw Moses coming closer to look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer. The Lord warned him, take off your shoes, for you are standing on holy ground. Amazingly enough, the word of the Lord always went along with the glory of the Lord. Now, I believe the church is not only positioned for this, I believe that we are set to see the glory of God. But out of the midst of the glory came the Word of God. Now, hold with me here a little bit. Out of the midst of it was the, out of the manifest glory of God, the Word come forth. Although it is often explained to you and I that Moses was commanded to take off his shoes because he was on holy ground, and that he was. But there's a word in there called, and I'll, I'll slaughter this word, but it's called Admat Kodesh. It means holy ground, but the interpretation of that simply stresses that God set this area aside for the encounter with Moses. It was truly holy. But now God wants to speak to Moses, and he's fixing to be clued in on his mission. It happened again on Mount Sinai when the glory of the Lord came over the mountain, and the mountain shook, and out of that came forth word that Moses brought down with him. The glory of God was manifested, and the word again come forth. God is not wanting, he wasn't wanting Moses to dance here. But listen, sometimes we Pentecostal people, we would dance when we should listen. God help us not to lose the art of critical listening. God speaks out of the bush to Moses. Adonai said to him, I have seen how my people are being oppressed in Egypt. And I've heard their cry. For release from their enslaved masters, because I know their pain. What a God that is. I have come down to rescue them from the, from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land, out of that country, to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 9, it says in chapter 3, Yes, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have seen how terribly 
the Egyptians oppressed them. Therefore now come and I will send you to Pharaoh so you can lead the people, the descendants of Israel, out of Egypt. Here's Moses encountering not only God, but his new mission in life. Moses immediately went into excuses as to why he didn't want the job. What I propose to you this morning is that God uses those that come out of obscurity or that have issues or who are weak and broken. And God says to Moses, Who am I when he says to him that I should go to Pharaoh and lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? I know that the king of Egypt, God responded to Moses, I know that he will not let you go or leave unless he is forced. So now not only Moses is being sent to a job he doesn't want, now he's he's admonished that he's going to face rejection right off the bat. I believe that Moses had the issue. His issue was related to his speech. Is that correct? I believe it is. And yet God is calling him to go and deliver the people of Egypt or Israel out of Egypt. What an amazing word for the church is that God has put His hand upon us who are impotent and who are broken, and He intends to use us in places of power. Moses put up an immediate shield, and God was trying to speak to him. God responds with a soul-shaking word, and He says in response to Moses' confession, I can't do this. Who gives man a mouth, God said, the power of speech? Is it not I, Adonai? I will be with you and Aaron. He said, I know you have a brother named Aaron, and I know that he can speak well. My mind says if Aaron could do a better job at speaking, why didn't he call Aaron to go to Pharaoh? But no, he chose Moses, the one who was raised in the court of Pharaoh. And Moses was, he put up initial Initial defense, a shield, call it a defense mechanism if you want. He makes excuses and refuses to admit his own shortcoming, his own very personal vulnerabilities. He names his weakness to God and to himself and everyone around him. First he said, Lord, who am I to go? Then he continued to give excuses until finally he got to the root of the problem. I have a problem with my speech. He names his weakness. Church, for us, it's important when God puts his hand upon us. It's all right to be weak and have vulnerabilities in our life. We need to call them out for what they are because it's in our weakness that God's strength is perfected there. God brings him to a place to confront his own weakness. And God knows I have weaknesses and vulnerabilities. He names him weak, his weakness. Whatever our limitations are, God can use us to do great things. 
take hope this morning, wherever you're at, if God has laid His hand upon you and He's calling you out. It really isn't about who we are or our weaknesses or vulnerabilities. This is all about the power of the living God. Admitting weakness strengthens us. It's nothing short of transformation. When Moses laid it all out, stuff began to change all around him. The miracle of this story to me is the transformation of Moses and his acknowledgement of his weakness. Moses is the one who sees God face to face, the one whose hands the Torah was delivered into and sent to deliver it to Israel. It's in the midst of weakness God calls him out. Even at that point, Moses said to the Lord, Lord, please send someone else, anyone you want, like he's given God permission to choose other than himself. It wasn't a job he looked forward to. It wasn't a job he signed up for. And then knowing God was saying to him, I know when you go there and present this word to Pharaoh, he's not going to let the people go. It wasn't rejection one time and another time. It was over and over and over. And yet Moses was persistent. And God said, now take the staff that I put in your hand because you need it, and you need it to perform signs. God has given us His strength. He's saying to us as a people, what is in your hand? Pick it up. Don't leave empty-handed. I'm equipping you to do what it is I've called you to do. This journey for him, for, for Moses... This journey from Egypt to the promised land was riveted with difficulty. It is not the path of least resistance, but ultimately produces freedom for His people and for us, and above all brings great glory to God. This whole thing is about the glory to God. They asked God to deliver them. Israel cried out to the Lord, in their pain, and because of their cry, He delivered them. They said they asked God to deliver them, and He did. And now when things aren't going their way, and they're not comfortable anymore, they start looking for someone to blame, usually leadership. We believe in the power, but what about the submission to His rule? Moses came to submit to that rule, when the king was told the people have fled from Pharaoh, after all this persistent time, and the servants had had a change of heart now towards the, the people, they said, what, what have we done here? What have we done letting Israel go and stop being our slaves? And I'm, ask, I'm pushing this up some. So he prepared his chariots. There were 600 of them plus all the other chariots that were around. And they pursued Egypt. Here's Pharaoh in full pursuit of Moses and the children of Israel. Adonai made Pharaoh's hard-hearted. Not only, did he, not only did he put Moses to lead Israel out of Egypt, he hardened Pharaoh's heart to the point that he persistently pursued him. 
and wouldn't give up. And Israel left boldly, and the Egyptians went after them. Now, here's where I want to get to this morning. As Pharaoh approached, and you'll find this in Exodus, the 14th chapter. This is a word for us. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and saw the Egyptians right there coming after them. Have you ever been fearful? You ever had fear grip you? They say that fear gone crazy turns into a phobia. Have you ever left the house and wondered if you put if you locked the door? Have you ever left the house and wondered, did I left that garage door down or did I leave it up? Have you ever turned around in your car? I know my wife's listening to this. And turned around in the car and had to go back just to see that you have shut the door. Soon you begin to not trust yourself in so many areas. Did I leave the stove on when we went to bed? We question ourselves. When children of Israel, Pharaoh approached them, the people of Israel looked up and saw the Egyptians right there coming after them in great fear. The people of Israel cried out to Adonai, and they said to Moses, Was it because there wasn't enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? Now, these are the people that called out to God to deliver them. How many of you know that sometimes when we call on God to bring us out of where we are, the way becomes more difficult and harder before it gets better? You brought us out here in the desert to die. Why have you done this to us? They're complaining to leadership. Bringing us out of Egypt. Didn't we tell you in Egypt? To let us alone, we'd be just fine. We'll just go on being slaves for the Egyptians. That's a pretty scary thing. All of a sudden, everything they had been required of them in Egypt become a bit tasteful and palatable to them. Here we are in the midst of this place, and now Pharaoh's right on us. Better we had died in, as a slave than as a free person. Being slaves, they said, for the Egyptians, it would have been better for us to be, to be slaves there than to die in the desert. And Moses answered the people, and you'll find this in chapter 14. He simply said this to the people. It is a word to us this morning. Man. He said to the people, stop being so fearful. Remain steady. And you will see how Adonai is going to save you. And he will do it today. Today you have seen the Egyptians, but you will never see them again. Adonai will do battle for you. Just calm yourself down. 
What an amazing word. That that had pursued them, that that had owned them, will never own them ever again. God was saying today, today, I am, even when Moses asked the Lord, as they sung in this song earlier, who should I say sent me? And he said, Moses, I am that I am. And this is what you're to say to the, to the Egyptians. Is that I am has sent me. But Moses needed to hear that for himself. Needed to hear that for himself up front. I am that I am, Moses. He didn't say I am because I've made the worlds or because I've flung the stars into existence or because I've created mountains or because I've created people. I am who I am apart from what I do. God's saying to us today, if fear has consumed you, and I'm not just speaking about COVID-19, If fear has consumed you and has a grip on your life, God is saying to you, stop being so fearful. Remain steady and faithful. And you will see Adonai set you free today. Today you have seen what once owned you, but you will never see it ever again. What I'm saying to you today is that our God of possibility has spoken and split the sea of impossibility and walked us across on the dry ground of purpose to come out on the bank of promise, to look back at the place we were and to realize that really wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Suddenly, in their deliverance, he said to Moses as a leader, Why are you crying to me, Moses? He was crying out to Adonai, Why are you crying to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. What's in your hand? Church, I ask you this morning, what is in your hand today? What has God laid there in your hand? What is it He's asking you to do? And He said, Lift up your staff and reach out your hand over the sea. And divide it in two where the people can go across. Our God is a God of possibility. When it looks impossible to us, God said, take what's in your hand and reach forth. Put your confidence in me. And tell the children of Israel, proceed into the sea on dry ground. Here's Israel. They're all nervous about what's fixing to happen. They, they're They're surrounded by mountains and God has purposefully led them to the place there was no way out. He said, I will win glory for myself at the expense of Pharaoh and all of his chariots and his army and his cavalry. God was letting him know today that I am. You're going to put your confidence in me and your trust in me. And I will bring you through this situation. So the pillar of cloud went around behind the children of Israel. And the angel of the Lord went behind the children of Israel. And it put Egypt in darkness and gave light to Israel. And they crossed over. That water rose up all night and the Israelites walked across. That's what has owned you. 
will never own you again. That which has ruled you will never rule you again. That fear that has controlled you will never control you again. Isn't that what the Word says? The Lord's not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. You've not received the spirit of fear again to bondage, but the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. God said to Israel, I saw you wallowing in your own blood, and I had pity on you, and I said, Live. Never ruled you again. That fear will never hold you again. That controls you. In my time at Teen Challenge, as Dan mentioned, I've been there a few days. I've seen people come through. Their bigger addiction was not drugs. Their bigger addiction was fear that ruled their life. I could hear the water in the bathroom running. In the sink, trying to wash stuff off of them. Trying to unload the fear that had gripped them from the inside. And I said to a young lady one day, I said, you can't wash that off. That's inside of you. God wants to deliver you from the fear that rules your life. Where there's fear, there's torment. And where there's torment, there's bondage. And where there's bondage, there's captivity. And the Word says that Jesus come to set the captive free. This morning, church, God has come to set the captive free. I believe Moses had to confront his own weakness. It was nothing short of transformational that his own fears to speak out because he was unable to. He said, I'm slow of speech. I can't speak well. You need to find somebody else to do the job. And yet God laid a hand on Moses. Even Moses said to the Lord, even while you're speaking to me, I'm not any better. It wasn't that God needed to change Moses in his speech. It was that he needed to change Moses in his belief toward the Lord. How many of you know that fear paralyzes you? If you escalate this on to Numbers, the 13th chapter, when the tribes of Israel, the leaders of the tribes, went into the land that God has spoken. Get this. God says the land is yours. I have brought you to own this land. It is a good land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a land that, with gardens you didn't plant. And I've given it to you. It is yours. When you cross over the Jordan, you'll set foot on what belongs to you. I've declared it so. So when the spies went over, you know that story. Twelve spies went over, one from each tribe. Ten of them come back and said, I don't think we can do this. Only Joshua and Caleb said to, to Moses, we can do this. It is as God has said it is. The land is plenty, and it is full of milk and honey. It is the land truly God has given us, and they brought back some of the grapes. But the other ten spies come back and said, We saw it is a land of milk and honey, but there are walled cities there and people of great stature. And in our own eyes, we were as grasshoppers. 
we dare not go into that land. Isn't it amazing how easy for us it is to hear God say, the land is yours, and then what we see nullifies what we've heard. God was saying, step up to the plate. It is yours, just have confidence in me. And I'll take you where I purposed you to be. I remember Pastor Dez saying many, many times, people of purpose and promise will always be at the right place at the right time. It is God's sovereignty there. That's why he needed Moses to hear in the midst of the glory. He didn't need him to dance. He needed him to listen. And the word come forth to him and spoke to him. That word is a transcending word. It's a translating word. It's a transitional word. And it will supersede any other word. Sometimes God delivers us in a manner we, not, we didn't anticipate. How many of you have ever cried to the Lord to bring you out of where you're at? Only start coming out and wish yourself back where you were because of the uncomfortableness of where He has you. I've seen people come into Teen Challenge. We used to have a room upstairs in the old building. We called it the Jones Room, and that's where we brought people in who was on heroin. And they'd be put in that room with one staff member. And I remember all through the night, our quarters, Larissa and I's quarters were close to it. And I could hear that staff in there praying, and I'd hear that young lady in that room laying on the bed rolling in her own sweat. And I could hear her throwing up. It went on for hours. All I knew to do was to call out to God and say, God, break this thing in her life. Break this thing, Lord. Help her to see your greatness and not the power of the drug. God said to us, there's a lady at the center now, and she's, she's a very much of a sweetheart. And she said, God saw me. And I was wallowing in my own blood. And he said to me, Live. Therefore I say to you again, live, he said. Not because of our ability to get ourselves of what we're in, out of what we're in, but God's ability to bring us out from where we are. God's not giving you that fear. Maybe you today, right where you're at, maybe in that place, there's a holy place that God has sanctioned for you to be, to speak to you. With what holds you at this today, that that owns you will never own you again. God saying to the church, I am the deliverer. I am that. In Haggai it says, This is what I covenanted with this is what I covenanted with you, Israel, when you come up out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. We've received a different spirit. Our confidence is in the Lord today. God has hallowed a place for you to be, to begin to speak into your heart and change you. I've seen people owned by fear. The fear they had in their life was greater than the drug. The drug only intensified the fear. 
And you cry out to the Lord, change them, deliver them, bring them out of that spot they feel like there's no way out. And surely we've all said that at some point. Lord, we'd rather be back where we were than to suffer the cramps of this thing for four days. There's a young lady that some of you would know her. She come through the center. She went back out at one point and she messed up. She got on heroin and she come back and she said to me, could I lay in your office today? We had beds in the house. She walked in, the door was open and she said, I have a blanket in my pillow. Could I just lay in this room today? And I listened to that young lady all day long, sick and turning in her own sweat. And I just kept praying, what a, what a, or believing, what a privilege for me to witness this and to be praying over her. God, bring her out, bring her out, bring her out, deliver her, change what's owned her. How many of you today, you stand in a place and you look up to the Lord and God, you, you're crying out to Him. And God said, I've hallowed this space. Take your shoes off where you're at. I'm fixing to bring you to a new place in your relationship with me. Eighty years of age Moses was before God ever laid this call on his life. The next 40 years he used, call it king of Israel or deliverer of Israel, he spent bringing them to a place only to be kissed by God and be taken home. He only was able to look over into the place of promise. The people would often say, we're hungry. The manna was not enough. We're thirsty. Water came forth from the rock. It was constant dependency on God. God will create this desire and this hunger in your heart that it will be constant, constant dependency on God to trust Him every day of your life. I'm believing today that God has begun a new thing in His people. I believe in dancing. I believe in shouting. But I believe along with the glory of God, the church needs to be attuned in their ear to listen for the word. It'll be that word that either commissions us or changes us or brings deliverance to our own life. So my word today is this. Stop being so fearful. Remain steady. He will do it today. Today. You have seen that that has owned you. And today, you will see it no more. That's the living grace of God. I hope wherever you're at, I'm going to ask you to do something very weird. I can't see you doing it. In fact, right now, I don't see anything. But I know you're there. I'm going to ask you to slip your shoes off in your room or wherever you're at. I know this word has been somewhat short. I could have probably got up and read the verse and that would have been enough. That the Lord had put in my heart for Bethesda Church and for the church at large. We need to march forward without fear. 
Even when that that is owned us is right behind us, God is saying, just proceed. I'm asking you to, where you're at, that God would make that a hallowed place. Whether you be in your own home or another's home or whatever social distancing allows you to do. Are you at Teen Challenge or anywhere else that you would just stand up and slip off your shoes and lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, that that has owned me and that that I have feared will no more own me. And I'm going to pray for you this morning that that spirit of bondage would be broken in your life. For some of us, it's kept us from going forward. We thought, well, who am I? We did like Moses. We just kept offering excuses. Lord, find you somebody else. He didn't really want the job. And boy, did he ever suffer rejection. And yet, did you know the word says that Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth at that time? God took his weakness that was embarrassing to him and said, I'm not changing your weakness. I'm just about to perfect my strength there. And Moses, frustrated with God, said, Moses said to the Lord, Lord, even while I'm speaking to you, as if he expected the Lord to loosen his tongue, he said, nothing's changed here. God said, yeah, but it's changing on the inside of you. That this ruled us from inside. Today we know more fear than we've ever known. The fear of being in the dark. The fear of being in the light. The fear of going in someplace. Or the fear of being in tight places. Or loose places. Fear rules us. And yet God says no more. To my people I'm freeing you from that. So right where you stand today. Slip your shoes off. And lift your hands to the Lord. And cry out to God. Say, Adonai. Eternal God. The great I am. The all-sufficient one. Deliver me. And I believe. I believe that word is going to pierce your heart today. To remain steady. Stop being so fearful. He's still the great I am. So God, I ask you in the name of Jesus. As shoes are slipped off our feet for acknowledgement of the holy presence of God and our attentiveness to hear your word to us. I pray God you would bring just surround that area with the Holy Ghost of heaven. I pray today that the addiction would be broken that has ruled us. Just that iniquity that's kept us going back, 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 over and over. And every time we go back, it rips more out of our life. The addiction, the fear, the torment at night. And for those, Lord, who are second-guessing every decision they make today, that began with a small fear has now began to rule them. They trust no decisions they make. I pray, God, right now that the fire of the living God would just, just like out of the glory of God, that word would come forth and your word would set the captive free. 
So, Lord, do what only you can do. And I'm here to say I believe that you can do what only you can do. Use us, oh God, in the days ahead. Let it be, Lord. Amen and amen.